I have a couple of passages and just kind of a, a basic idea that I wanted to touch on today. And it was, it's very much what you were talking about, you know, taking a step and then watching the provision of the Lord. And I don't, I don't mean from this, well, you'll, we'll see, we'll see how, how we get there. You know, I mean, I, I mean, just a, a lifestyle of committing to follow him and walking with him and watching him walk with us and be active in our lives. You know, because I, I think we forget about that a lot. In fact, I, you know, they asked me what the title of the message today was, and I, I didn't have it necessarily outlined in, you know, in concrete because we're, we're kind of in between series right now. You know, we just wrapped up the gospel, of, the gospel series. We've got a couple of messages, and we're going to transition into the grace series, which, I, which is kind of working out to be, I think it's going to be a lot focused on experiencing righteousness, peace, and joy. But what does grace look like as it compels us? You know, because we want to spread the gospel, but we have this beautiful invitation to live in Jesus, right? We, we can live in this newness of life that he's given us. And I have people, you know, when in this past series, I brought out the idea that he actually changes your nature. He changes what kind of being that you are. It is a spiritual surgery that he performs within you. It is a circumcision of the body of flesh. And when you look up that term, it very clearly says the mere human nature that was opposed to God and prone to sin is removed from you and replaced with a new heart, and then he joins his spirit to you. So in spirit, you are actually a new creation. And it's so crazy because so often people will ask me, well, so are you saying then that we don't sin anymore? And I'm like, it's weird to me that we start talking about the effects of the blood of Christ and you're stuck on sin. What's your problem? Are you thinking that we're saying continue in sin because we should just memorize Romans 6? And I would, I would encourage you, because, you know, one of the things that I want to do in these couple of series is equip you in such a way where you're confident in the gospel that you don't backtrack on these ideas, that when you start talking about the good news, you're confident in the finished work of Jesus in you, and you can communicate these things, because I know how intimidating it can be when you start to talk to people about these kinds of concepts, and you say, we don't have a sin nature anymore, and the pharisaical mindset explodes and they start to challenge you and they want to know, are you saying that we don't have any sin? Are you saying that we can sin and get away with it? And it's like, what I'm saying is Jesus did a work within you and changed the kind of being that you are and God no longer relates to you based on your behavior. Yeah. Well, then better be ready to quote Romans 6 where it says, no, of course not. God forbid. How do you, why would you continue in sin now that you're under grace? God's not going to be mocked. Sin produces its own effects. The good news is he's not judging you based on that any longer because he's judged it in Christ. That's the gospel. Know it, believe it, communicate it because people are confused about it. Yep. They just are. I'm telling you, they just are. What it, what it shows me is people don't think that spiritual matters are real. Like when you talk about this spiritual circumcision that happens within you, it's not real to people. It's like an idea or maybe somehow in the future or God kind of pretends as if, but it, it's real. Spirit is real. I view spirit as, 
You know, like, are you familiar with the electromagnetic spectrum? I know you all are. You're all physicists in this room, right? I mean, I know enough to know a little bit. You know, maybe I should have Lee come up and teach this part about it. But he's, it's biology, right? I know. I always try to make him a physicist, but he's studying biology. Anyway, it's like, there's, the, there's this electromagnetic spectrum, and light and particles and waves and all of that is along that spectrum, right? And you're... So your eye can perceive a certain section of it. Imagine it extends infinitely both ways, right? Your eye can perceive a certain section of it and see light in different colors, but yet lower, there are lower frequencies, longer wavelengths of waves. I, I would say, is that gamma? Gamma's on the lower, right? I'm looking at John too. So those are slower. You can't see them, but we can perceive them with the right instrumentation. And there are higher ones as well that you can't see and perceive, but they are there and they exist. In my mind, along the life spectrum, there is spirit that is way off up there, so far off that you can't get there unless you're brought into that. In other words, you have to be affected in such a way to be able to exist within that spectrum. In my, here's how I see it in my mind. Way over there, there's no variance. There's no vibrational change. It's just perfection. It's just pure light, love, joy, peace, and that is God. And to be in that place, you have to be affected and changed to be able to go there, to resonate, to harmonize, to live in God forever. But in His ways, in some way, he can bring an element of that and put it in you here so that you're experiencing it here. As if you're quantumly entangled to God in that perfect place, it's in you now as well. And you can experience life here with that aspect in you. Does that make sense? Like, like to me, that's a modern-day parable. I think if Jesus were here, he, might, he would still use seed and all that, but I think he would use modern-day times. We are entangled with God in the eternal place. Yet we still have a physical being that is prone to the, the, all the things that are experienced in this life. However, God changed the core of you so that you are what you're going to be in heaven now. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because he took out that root of destruction and disease and put in himself. Amen. You are connected with the Father in this place now. And we can live in the power of that spirit now in the newness of life. And it's not about obeying to get that spirit in you or to, to qualify or earn the, the quality of life that we will enjoy in eternity. It's about I want to live in such a way where I am not making decisions and actions in this world's standards that bring this world's effects to me, I want to live in such a way where I'm living from that spirit that brings joy and righteousness and peace. It, it puts it into my life in this realm. Amen. So obeying God, living for God, keeping the commandments of loving Him and loving people is not about I get favor with Him or I earn anything with Him. What it does is it keeps me clear and clean from disrupting that which His Spirit is trying to do through me into this earth. That's why you stay out of sin. You're, you stop hindering His will because sin hardens your heart, ultimately kills and destroys, robs your confidence, keeps you from believing all of those promises that are yes and amen in Him there that are now as well. 
So when you read things like Peter or you, you, you know, I love how Paul writes. He writes in such a way where it's all this beautiful doctrine. And then a lot of times at the end of his letters, there's a lot of instruction and it is behavioral. You know, there's, there's two elements to the will of God. One is what he wants from you. And the other is what he wants for you. The will of God is dynamic. It's what he wants from you and it's what he wants for you. And if you're imbalanced in one or the other, you'll live in such a way where you always think the will of God is for you to behave a certain way. Or if you're over in the crazy faith camp where it's like all of the will of God is nothing but things for me. And they're both true. What he wants from you keeps you clear enough to be able to receive the things that he wants for you. And he doesn't want it from you, in other words, you know, living uprightly, abstaining from sexual perversion and uh, living according to the way that he actually created us to live on this planet and, and uh, you know, no debauchery and the seven sins and all that stuff. You know, I didn't have it prepared in my mind. I'm a little bit rambling, but is this making sense? You know, so the reason you live in such a way of what he wants from you is so that you can experience what he wants for you. And when you experience what he wants for you, he is glorified. And you get to show others how good he is. Amen? So living, you know, living in such a way that he gets what he wants from you is ultimately it's like the commandment. The one commandment makes so much sense to me that that, it kind of defines everything. His commandment to love him, to love him only. With everything that you are, love him. Give up everything Abandon everything to love him. You better love him. But why do you love him? Because he first loved you. So the fulfillment of the commandment to love him is a response to his love for you. And when you live in that, knowing his love for you, you want to live in such a way where you're not going to disrupt that which he's trying to do through you. Not because you're afraid he's going to throw you away, but because you just don't want to hinder this beautiful thing that he's trying to do through you. So when we read instruction about how to live, keep in mind, and this is, you know, we experience favor as we walk uprightly, not because we earn it, but because it keeps me at a place where I'm not going to doubt him. I'm not going to have unbelief in my heart to the degree that I'm going to question his promises for me. You know, we're all experiencing a lower level quality of life than he wants for us because of all of our issues, our fear, our worry, our failures, our sin habits, what we see in the mirror, what our, the echo of what our parents told us, the echo of what people did to us when we were growing up. The more that stuff is still in our heads, the less we're going to hear him in our hearts and, and live in a way that's consistent. You live in a way that's consistent with who you think that you are. So you may as well let God's vision of you define who you actually are, and then you will naturally make those choices. You just will. You will. And he has fully equipped you with his power to live in such a way to bring glory to his name. But we demean his vision of us because of our issues. And so... One of the things that we're going to look at when we go into this series about grace, which Courtney's preaching next weekend. I'm excited about that, which it's actually his birthday today. I don't know if he's watching. He'll probably watch later. Happy birthday, dude. They are, I think they're up in the mountains. Where are they? Where'd they go? 
Blue Ridge, yeah. So they're taking a break, which is awesome. I hope they, you know, he works like he has a job in the mornings. He get the, what time do y'all get there? Like six. Y'all, you guys that are working over at Rooting, they get there at six, and he gets off at three, and then he comes over here a couple days a week and works, and then he's doing youth group on Wednesdays, and he's here every Sunday, so he needs a break. <laughs> so let's look at a couple of passages to kind of cap off what we're talking about. And, you know, I'm going to start in Romans. I'm going to read one of the Romans we, passages we read last week, and then I'm going to go to Peter. If you want to follow along in Peter, it's 1 Peter chapter 4. And you got to be careful when you read Peter. Pull that down for just one second, if you would. When you read Peter, you, gotta, you almost have to keep in mind the conversation that Paul and Peter had when Paul was coming to Peter, and he's like, listen, you hypocrite. Yes, Paul called Peter a hypocrite. Now, does that mean that his letters are not Scripture? No. It just means that he was a dude that struggled with things just like you do. And he struggled with legalism because that was his thing. And he probably had a little bit of, boy, this, is, this makes people nervous. <laughs> but he had a bit of ethnic, I don't know if you could call it racism, but ethnic favoritism because of the mindset that the Jews had adopted in terms of they were the chosen ones. They were the special ones. They were the ones through which God was going to reveal himself. Peter was of, it was just the Jewish mindset, you know, that they were the chosen one. In fact, if you look at, this makes Reformed people really nervous because all the language about election and chosen and all of that stuff is talking about the Jews that then became expanded to the Gentiles, not just the people that God, was, that God chooses to be saved and then send the rest to hell, you know. Um, but that's a whole different subject. So anyway, he struggled with it. I'm, bringing, I'm making this point because when you read Peter, you have to realize if I have a hint of legalism within me or performance righteousness, I need to make sure that I don't read it through that lens and that filter. James and Peter write in such a way where they're almost addressing more of the fruit of the new creation rather than the reality of the new creation. You know, Paul kind of does both. When Paul writes, he's writing the doctrine of salvation. He's writing the doctrines of how the Holy Spirit works within us. He's recontextualizing the priesthood into Christ so that we understand who Jesus really is and everything that he accomplished. He does address behavioral things, but he addresses the spiritual matters as well. Peter and James, when you read those, they're almost standing on the outside looking at the fruit of what that power, what that work of spirit should produce. So they're, they're, kind of, they're kind of assuming the spiritual realities of deeper work within you, new creation realities, and they're addressing what the fruit should look like. But the legalistic mindset stands outside and, and thinks it's just all about the fruit. In fact, if you don't have the fruit... Gosh, I'm not sure that you were even saved. How many people came out of a background like that? You question your salvation because the context was, I'm not so sure that the fruit... I, it's usually this. I think you should have this kind of fruit, and I'm not seeing it, so I'm not so sure you're saved. Where's the barf can? <laughs> you know those super charismatic churches that have the barf cans for the demons? We should, we should have barf cans for doctrinal, doctrines of demons. Anyway, Romans 15, verse 1. We who are strong, are you strong? Say, I'm strong. 
Do you believe that? Yes. Like really? Call me the next time you're struggling and remind me that you're strong. You are, because you got the Spirit of God within you. Strong doesn't mean you don't struggle. No. Righteous man falls seven times, gets up. The mark of righteousness is not that you don't fall. It's that you get up when you fall. Amen. Righteous man falls seven times and gets up. Doesn't say he doesn't fall. So, yeah. But don't forget the, the strength that you have. You who are strong, bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. It's just, this is just on me. It's like we, we need to get over ourselves. We need to not do things for our own benefit. You know, I mean, we get to enjoy life. God created. This place is beautiful and amazing, and he gave you marriage and sex. He wants you to have a good time. But there's stuff happening out there that is not so fun, right? Can I get an amen? All these guys with young kids are like, yeah. Uh, not to please ourselves. Verse 2. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good and build them up. Build them up. You know, I, I kind of invite you to open your heart and let the Holy Spirit build a framework of what that looks like. Build them up. What does that look like for you to build up your neighbors? All right, let's jump over to 1 Peter. We're going to be in chapter 4. This is uh, just from the NIV this week because I just like how it reads. We're actually going to read 1 Peter 4, 1 through 11. And there's so many good nuggets along the way. But again, don't let it turn toward legalism for you. You know, it's like don't forget who you are. If I could say it that way, don't forget who you are in Christ when you read James and Peter. Because there absolutely is an element of fruit that should be evident in your life. And there's really good instruction of a goal of the kind of fruit that should be there. So we're reading these to say, okay, yeah, this, remi this, is what, this is, reminds me of, of what it looks like externally to bear the fruit of what I believe internally, what he's done within me. You know? So, therefore, since Christ has suffered in his body, and I love that it's in his body. Christ didn't just metaphorically suffered, the suffering that he did, the disease, the punishment of your penalty in his body so that it could be reflected even in your body. Your body, this skin is not inherently evil. It craves what you yield it to. Arm yourselves also with the same attitude because, whosoever, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. So in other words, if you're willing to put yourself in a position where you're going to suffer the persecution of the faith, you're done with sin. You don't, you don't, you're like, okay, I'm ready to live a life where I might experience being abused and even killed because I'm pursuing the preaching of the gospel. You know, by the way, that's the only kind of suffering God endorses. God's not going to give you cancer. God's not going to give you flat tires. He's not going to take your job away from you so that you'll suffer and learn pace. On the back end is persecuted for your faith. But if and it's not like, oh, if you don't have a martyr sin, back end of it, there's such a joy that, that is a holy, on the, on, at a face value, it sounds very legalistic as if you earn holiness for experiencing persecution. It's not that. It's almost as if it's a, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a righteousness, a, a peace. It's a, the holiness that you experience after having gone through something like that. This place that you're in with God, you're identifying with what Jesus experienced for you and you're experiencing it. And it just leaves you in a place of this connection with Him. You know, it, it's hard to explain. But So let's go to the next verse. 
As a result, they do not live the rest of their, their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Remember the will of God? It's what he wants from you, and it's what he wants for you. What he wants from you, you can only do when you're living in the power of the newness of spirit that he's given to you. Like you can't give him what he wants in your own strength. You must live from the power of his spirit in you, which is grace, which is where we're going to go in March and talk about that for quite a while. I'm excited about it. Donna was talking about she's reading. Oh, we have the books in, by the way, Grace, the Power to Change. I recommend go ahead and pick one of those up. We're going to read it together as a church starting March 1st. I'm going to facilitate the conversation in the Facebook group again. And then we're going to have Wednesday night meetings here at 7 and discuss the book all through March and put these things into practice and, you know, just kind of devote our hearts to experiencing empowerment to step into those things that he's called you into. Did I ever even say? I just, I just kind of got off. I jumped on the horse and went running. Did I ever even say the name of the message? I said I was going to, and then I didn't say it. What did I do? What happened? Yeah, it's a guessing game. Guess. Anyway, what I felt like he spoke to me was uh, don't let COVID steal your dreams. That's very, that's very Joel Osteen-ish. Don't let COVID steal your dreams. I love Joel. He's casting a wide net, doing a lot of good work. But, but, but it's, but it's kind of that, right? You know. So it's like we've been beaten down, sin habits, fear, COVID, government, whatever, whatever our excuse is for not following God, we've got plenty, don't we? And I just kind of feel like that that's one of the things that he was saying with this is compel people to live in the power of the newness of spirit, yield to that grace, and step in. Quit waiting to do those things that you know God has called you to do. Living this way, what it does is it kind of builds a confidence within you to follow him, you know, so that you step out. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll go into more of that maybe the first week of the series. So as a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. That's all I didn't. I mean, if you were honest, isn't that what you want? You want to live the way that he wants you to live and you want from him those things that he wants from you. I mean, I think if we're honest, that's all we want, really. And that's what he wants. Next verse, please. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. Hadn't you? I mean, isn't that true? Uh, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, detestable idolatry. I don't want to hear those stories. Next verse. They are surprised that you do not join them in their recklessness, wild living, and, the heap, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him all right, now, <laughs> we might have to press pause and hear some stories. <laughs> this is biker crew here, you know. <laughs> but they'll have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. But, this, but for this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead. Now, what that means is right before this, it talks about how Jesus, after he died and then was made alive, he went and preached to the dead souls in Hades that hadn't had the opportunity to hear the gospel. That actually happened. That's what that's talking about. 
so that, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. He kind of, go back to that one. He had to put that part on there, didn't he? Without grumbling. I mean, I kind of need that one. Verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. Stay on this one for a minute. Use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. You know, that, that's kind of an anchor message for this church and this ministry, where it's kind of where the name forward came from, going back to Moses. They, the Israelites had been delivered from Egypt. They are at the Red Sea, mountains on the side. The most powerful army on the planet coming behind them had changed their mind and was ready to kill them all. Like if God had not intervened, they all probably would have died. And Moses is standing there, and he's still got that staff that all the way back to the burning bush when God said, I want you to do this. And he said, well, what am I going to do? He's like, well, what's in your hands? God asks him. He's like, well, and in my mind, this is how I see it play out. He looks at his hand. He's like, I've got this stick. You know, I heard the goat, uh, sheep with it. I mean, I know how to use this thing. Like, if a sheep gets out of line, you know, I, I mean, stick. My Moses is sarcastic. <laughs> what are you going to do with a stick? He's like, watch me work. And you know what he does with that stick. He, supernatural transformation. He goes and he does so many things with it, you know. The stick was representative of God's spirit, God's power within him, God's anointing. You all have an anointing that does not leave. And we all have the same anointing, and that is the spirit of God living within you. And it manifests in different forms. You don't have a gift that you don't have. Or, you know what I mean. Have one that you don't. Because you got the same spirit. But, that, but God will call you to function in different ways and different gifts, right? I want to know. I want to function in the ones that, that, that he would call me to function in. And not deny the ones that he would call me to function in. I pray the same for you. Honestly, we're sitting on, we're sitting on a gold mine of power that we're not putting into practice. You know, and in and, and, and this church, one of our philosophies of ministry is, I do not want to create programs for you to give you Christian busy work, to make you feel like you're fulfilling your call. You know what I mean? Like, in other words, I don't want to have these defined paths for you to walk on, and then you engage in that busy work, and, and the church consumes the call of God on your life, and you get to think that you've actually fulfilled following Jesus because you've done a bunch of work at church. I don't want that. I don't, I, don't want to, I, don't, I don't want to function that way. I want you 
to get your own vision. You, where there's family and there's experience training and discipleship, and there are avenues to serve through this. Some of you are absolutely called. Your, your calling is to serve through this body. A lot of you are not. A lot of you are called to work your jobs and whatever it looks like out there. And that's just as valuable and important. You know, some places have the mindset that everybody should be serving in something in the church. And I don't want, it, I don't, I don't want that. I want you to genuinely find out between you and God, this is the path. Of course, we have this whole course that we're working on with one question, who do you love? And it's not defined, you know, we, we're busy trying to figure out, God, what do you want me to do? But I think the question is, who do I love? And then, so the who defines the what, not what first. But that's a whole, again, a whole other teaching. I'm kind of moving toward this grace thing that we're going to be talking about for a while, but keeping in mind we have these gifts within us. Don't let COVID stamp it out. Just because you can't lay hands on somebody in public any longer, that's just one thing. That's just one thing. How much power have we given to COVID to keep us from doing the things that we know God has called us to do? I mean, really, think about it. I'm not saying that we need to you know, wave our flags of freedom in the face of those that get offended easily. But I am saying, don't neglect your gift, right? Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others, serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And I love this next one. This is the last one. If anyone speaks... They should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Man, how powerful is that? You represent God. You are an ambassador in this earth, fully equipped to go into the world and tell people, God is no longer holding your sins against you. Be reconciled to God. And then watch His power work through you. And you live in such a way as to not limit His power working through you, staying out of sin, keeping your heart soft toward God so that you're not constricting the flow of the Spirit through you because you're guilty and ashamed and struggling with all this stuff that you're dealing with. Let it go. Let it go. It has no power over you when you are under the power of grace. And I'm excited to talk about the power of grace and what that all looks like. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. I mean, I'm thinking about you, Mike, back there. You guys just had a GOP meeting yesterday. You know, Mike's very active in that. He's called into that political arena. And we were talking yesterday, and it's like, you know, my, I, he has to hear everybody's opinions, and he's very patient because he's learned how to just kind of listen and while everybody runs their mouths, you know. <laughs> But I think about this. The nation needs people that, that go and do this in that political arena that has so much influence over the whole world. We need prophets going into this place, holding office, speaking forth the things of God, not so that we necessarily develop a theocracy or try to take over the world from a, you know, from a, with, with religious carnal constructs, but yet, but, but I see prophets going in and speaking out of their hearts, and then it just shifts things. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't know how to do that, but you get to do that. That's what we need. Isn't that what we need in the well up there, in the Congress, in the Senate, and in those offices, people that are going to hear God and do what He would lead them to do? Yeah. It's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. And everybody thinks they got God on their side. 
up there. And he's not really on a side. Okay. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides them. God will provide you strength. Amen? He just will. And it's consistent. And it feels good when it happens. It's enriching and fulfilling. It's not depressing and, oh, the grum, remember the no grumbling part? It's not that you, God, God will give you the kind of strength where you don't, you don't even want to grumble. So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Final idea. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. Quit doing stuff in your own strength. Quit looking in the mirror and into your past to define who and what you are now. Realize you are quantumly entangled with God now. Whatever his quality and state of life is, is in you now. His spirit is in you. His power is in you. His love, his joy, his peace is in you. His holiness is in you. His righteousness is in you. His wisdom is in you. And you can tune into it and live in the power of it. And you can. You do it more by accident than you ever do on purpose. So just quit trying to do it. Trust him and live in the power of it. And then you kind of have to pray in tongues from there forward because words can't teach you how to do it. Actually engaging the Spirit of God for power and strength and wisdom. And I'm not talking about just charismatic activity of I heard God speak. I'm talking about where you're living in the power of His Spirit within you to do His will and Him be glorified through you. And you work that out with Him but we're going to talk about it. We're going to keep talking about it because I want to see it. I want to see your life reflect that, don't you? I want to see my life. I want to see a church, the whole body, reflect that. Amen? Amen.